Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. Podcast for the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron, Roger, and Doug to join Andrew as we discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle. So we got to talk about Malachi. Malachi. Uh, Malachi Black is actually going to be taking some time off from wrestling. It, it just seems like he's uh, he's been having some uh, um, mental ish mental concerns right now. So it looks like he's going to step away. I mean, like, what do you think about that, Aaron? Yeah, he uh, wrote a very lengthy Instagram post, and he talked about how he was kind of feeling burnt out. And I think it's it's good. You know, you don't want to be in an entertainment spot where you're not given your all. And he is the type of performer where, you know, you are definitely drawn to him. He has a, a presence about him that's that's very interesting. And he was in a really good storyline, I thought, in AEW. And if he is really not feeling it, if he is just completely like, I just don't want to do this. I've been doing this for, you know, 20 years or 15 years and I haven't had a break and I need a break. Then, you know what? It's probably a good idea for him to step away because that might rejuvenate his love for it. Uh, You know, just like with anything else, sometimes too much of a good thing is bad for you. And this might be a case where, you know, he went from the Indies to NXT and then obviously, you know, to AEW without, you know, really taking a break. So, you know, I hope he does. I hope he gets his, uh, you know, gets to a better spot and then he comes back because I was really digging his storylines in NXT and, you know, uh, SmackDown and then AEW. I'm glad that we live in a wrestling time in which you can say, hey. I'm just going to take some time off because it's the best thing for me. That he's allowed to take care of his body, that he's allowed to take care of his mental health and say, and it doesn't sound like there's resentment, right? It's not like, oh, you're fired. Get out of here. We're going to blacklist you from the industry. It's, you need to take some time off, take some time off, get yourself right. Same thing with Moxley, the same thing with any of those guys who need a break. I think, like Aaron said, sometimes you do it for so long and you get burned out. And I'd rather have Malachi Black at his best when he wants to come back and do it because he is a very talented, he's very creative, and his stories are great. But I want him to take care of himself first and foremost because I don't want to report in 10 years that Malachi Black has died or something really bad has happened to him. Take care of yourself first and foremost is far more important than any storyline or any entertainment in the ring. Uh, I agree with what Roger said. And you know, dealing with a lot of uh, people that have have mental issues and everything like that, it is a dark path to go down. So I hope he gets his, the help that he needs. Uh, he gets rejuvenated. And if he feels like coming back to the ring, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And I, I agree with you guys. I'm, I'm just glad that he is able that he's in a position where he can do this and he can just relax and do things that he wants to do and work on his own hobbies and then find his love again for uh, wanting to perform. So and then uh, speaking of that, we actually had a big return. I thought on AEW this week, we actually had uh, formerly known as Paige Soraya uh, Soraya uh, decides to re- return to wrestling, and she's in AEW. Uh, man, I I was pretty uh, excited about this one. Doug, did you are you surprised that she actually made the transition over to AEW? Uh, yes and no. I think I'm surprised at the timing. Um, but it was one of those things I knew when she stepped away from WWE, uh, just like any release anymore, it seems like, Oh, when is she going to show up in AEW or when are they going to show up at what, or where are they going to show up? Um, so I thought that would have been really, really good for AEW to get her, uh, especially for her experience, her, uh, 
uh, knowledge of the ring and and be able to teach some of the maybe newer and uh, up and coming superstars too and and put them over. Um, this seems very much like a good fit for her uh, and for AEW. Um, you know, it it kind of has the same ring though as like Daniel Bryan. You know, yeah, he wanted to wrestle. Uh, WWE wouldn't let him. Uh, Paige wants to wrestle. She got medically clear, but WWE didn't want her to wrestle. So. Uh, let's see what she got. Hopefully she doesn't get re-injured and uh, we'll see some good things. I think I'm glad she's back. Um, I didn't see it coming. I get legitimately, I was shocked to see, you know, formerly known as Paige walk out. I, I don't blame her for coming back though, because I always felt that she was unlucky when it comes to timing. If you kind of think about her career, she's like just moments before the divas revolution took over, like the women's revolution and you get the horse women and they start to become like a prominent spot and she's hurt and she's gone. I remember she had that one feud with flair that was tactless, quite honestly, which they're talking about her dead brother. And then that was it. Like, it just felt like she missed all of, you know, Becky getting main eventing WrestleMania and Sasha and Bianca getting a primary spot. And all of a sudden now it looked like Hunter's in charge. And so now the women actually feel important. It's like, boy, if you're paid, you kind of look at that. And I was like, geez, I was three, four years just too early. And she, you know, she was, I think, the first NXT women's champion. If not the first, she was one of the very early. So, you know, good for her. I think she can help this division for sure. I don't know how much in-ring wrestling she's going to do. I, I think she will wrestle, but I think of being a limited schedule and good for her. Um, but she was always an interesting character. I think she has a lot of ring now and experience and knowledge. So, you know, good addition. Again, the question with AEW's women's division is not the talent anymore. It's can they properly book them? Can they get them some stories? Can they make them feel important? Because that's, that's what they need to do right now. And if I remember right, I think Paige defeated Emma for the first, for the first uh, NXT women's title. If I remember right. Yeah, she was the first. Yeah, and I definitely echo Roger's thoughts. Having Soraya here in AEW, I think is going to be a real big boost for them. You know, they got Tony Storm, which I think really they needed. You know, when I think about uh, some of the uh, female wrestlers in AEW that are the originals, I mean, what, there's like two or three that stick out maybe, you know, like of the originals. And then you have a lot of a lot of people that, you know, have kind of come along the way that maybe you might remember from somewhere else. And, you know, I said at the very beginning, there wasn't really anybody that stood out. I think Britt Baker put herself head and shoulders above some of the others. Um, and then there's a couple others that, that have been pretty decent. But, man, they really need to bulk that division up and have some women that stand out and have matches that aren't only around Britt Baker. I like Britt, Britt Baker. I think that she is probably the crown jewel of, of that division, but you can't have everything focused on her in the same way. Like in, you know, WWE, not everything can be the four horsewomen. You know, it's gotta be other people in there. You know, you, you have to allow there be time to breathe. I, we had, we picked the worst feud of the year was between Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks one year because they wrestled like 10 times on pay-per-views and it was back and forth with the title. You know, you have to move away. So Soraya there, I think, could be a breath of fresh air. Yeah, and I think you are. I echo your thoughts on that. Um, so we're, we're sticking with AEW. Um, we need to talk about the tag titles. I mean, right now we have uh, we have Swerve uh, in our glory actually retained at All Out, which was uh, very impressive. And, uh, you know, uh, I didn't like how their run ended, but I mean... What do you think about uh, what they're doing with Swerve and our glory, Aaron? Do you think that this was the right move, or do you think that they should be singles and not like a tag team? 
So uh, Doug and I had the fortune of going to All Out, which was really it was awesome to see live. Uh, I will say great show um, that it did not feel long in the tooth like some of the other AEW pay-per-views have. Um, that one was was amazing. Uh, the acclaimed were so over. I It was like deafening hearing the false finishes and just seeing the reaction that everybody had to the acclaimed. So uh, the fact that they gave them the titles is not a surprise at all. And Doug, I know that you can probably attest to what I said with uh, the acclaimed for them getting the titles, but what do you think about swerving our glory? Like, do you think that they need to break up, that they need to go their separate ways? What are your thoughts? Hold on. I don't understand how we've gone this long without asking Doug the most critical question of the night. The acclaimed always say everyone loves the acclaimed unless you're a cop. So, Doug, do you love the acclaimed since we know you're a cop? <laughs> uh, I do. I, I, I appreciate the uh, the raps. Uh, I appreciate the fact that they are so over. Uh, they are talented. Um, I think that they need to develop a little bit more before they got the titles, but the timing was right for this. Um, I actually think they missed the chance to uh, change the ending at all out. I think that's where they should have done it. Even if they weren't planning it, it was, that was their moment. That was the moment for them to get it because you had a mostly uh baby face team of Swerve and Keith Lee you, I don't think they were ready to try to put things necessarily into a will they, won't they fight uh, his friendship die in Chicago. Um, but they are a great tag team. And, and again, I think the moment was right for them to win in Chicago. Uh, so I am glad that they went back and redid it. Uh, what I will say for this, though, is I really appreciate Swerve uh, Strickland now. I am not I was not a big fan of him in NXT was not necessarily a huge fan when he got moved up a little bit with hit row. Um, but when he came out at the presser after all out and the, the press was just constantly asking like, are you going to make the switch? Uh, when do we get to see the rematch is, uh, you know, and basically why didn't you put the, the titles on him there? Swerve did his job. He came out and go, why should we give them a rematch? We beat them. They should go to the end of the line. And he fought with Tony Khan right there. And it, it seemed really kind of legit. Like he was legit mad that they had to fight a heel style when they were supposed to be somewhat babyface champions. And he kind of, I think he could predict what, what was going on. And I think I like that about the storyline is when you start to blur it a little bit too much into the real, but you know, he's, being a professional and, and how he went about it. Um, I, I absolutely love it. I think he's going to be one of the top heels when they do uh, do the maybe uh, turn on a uh, sort of turns on Keith Lee to keep him baby face. But at the same time, wouldn't that be a great heel tag team? If you just really truly had heel Keith Lee, just go out and dominate. Like he's so mad that they lost the titles that he just goes out and dominates. Doesn't even tag in swerve swerve. Doesn't care because they win. And this is the Keith Lee that you should see being so dominant. I feel like a, a heel Keith Lee is a terrifying thought and I'm here for it. Yep. Um, yeah. Cause uh, I think cause if, cause if he stays heel and is Hobbs still considered face or is he like a tweener? Hobbs is heel. heel. Straight heel. Okay. After turn he face. Yeah, turn a... face, and then no. 
And then, no, uh, I think I think there's room. Bob Shield. Uh, yeah, I think two big Hoss heels work because they just don't like each other also, so they can still go at it. And mm-hmm. Keith Lee is a scary, like, he's a big dude. He's very charismatic. And Hobbs is more of, like, just your standard, you know, like, brick house. I'm going to blat you on the mat. Like, there's there's plenty of room in AEW for both those guys to stay heel, in my opinion. Um, wow, Doug, you brought up an odd concept. Professionalism at a press conference? Is that, is that a thing? Do we do, we do that still? No, no, we usually just bite each other. We'll, we'll talk about that later, but yeah, I, I think there's an interesting point that Doug brought up. Is I know he wasn't a big fan of Swerve, like even before we talk about him, and there's kind of like a, eh, and now it's like, oh yeah, I see it, right? And and to me, that's when I think you're a good performer. When people who maybe weren't too hot on you or weren't sure of you, all of a sudden they're like, oh no, this guy hits you. Montez Ford, I remember the same way where like I was like, hey, you you should check this guy out. He's pretty good. And you're like, I don't really see it. And then you saw the end of the match. You're like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. It's like, those are the type of guys when you go, oh yeah, this, this guy has it. Like he's a star when it's like one match and you're like, okay, I see it. I believe in what this guy can do. I don't blame them for not switching the finish at all out. I understand why everyone thinks they should. And I, I don't disagree with them, but I think they were smart to say, hey, look, the time is now the acclaimed are super hot um, waiting two, two, three weeks. Wasn't really that bad because grand slam is a big event. So that was really cool. And, and then winning in New York was awesome. And it was the right moment. I love it. Then putting Billy Gunn together with them. I, I don't know why it works, but it works so well. It's made Billy Gunn like relevant again, like him with his sons were so stupid and boring, but him with Bowens and um, Caster just feels right. Like you just love it in some weird way. So good for the acclaim. I'm really happy. They are a true homegrown team in the sense of like, look, the Bucks are originals, but the Bucks were already made men when they came here. Um, the Lucha Brothers were already made men when they came here. You knew about them, but the acclaimed weren't big names. They worked their way to the top. I remember them being on Dark and then finally getting traction with the Raps and their awesome feud with the Gun Club as far as like them turning in the faces. So good for them. I hope they have a good run. I think, you know, Max Caster and Bowens. Like, I don't think there's a Genetti in this. I think both of them have potential, but I would never break them up. I love them as the acclaimed. Let them do their thing. Don't try to do the HBK and Genetti thing. Just let them be the acclaimed and, and let them be who they are. And they will go heal at some point and they'll still be good, but they're going to be greatest faces and I'm happy for them. And also on that same line, I think that they can stay a tag team, but more, not more of a tag team, but more of a stable where they can go after single titles. And I think that's what what they should what they should transition them to, so then they don't have to focus on the the tag titles. And then you can each have then you can actually you know because they're homegrown talent. I mean, you guys. I mean, you said it right. Like they are homegrown for AEW. It's like Darby Allen was is homegrown. Like no matter how I how I try to position it, it Darby Allen is is was one of the first stars next to MJF. Uh, I don't even think the acclaimed were t- a tag team before AEW. Like I think they met in AEW and became the acclaimed. So it's like truly they are an AEW creation, and that's awesome. Like I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, and and you know, like the other thing also with stables, like there's one thing that uh, they AEW brought in. They brought the six man t- tag title, which was of course won by uh, the Elite, um, and then uh, then our favorite person in the world uh, became champion. Who was that, Aaron? Yeah, that was vacant. Yeah, <laughs> vacant. <laughs> no, it kind of kind of funny that we're almost burying the lead a little bit in this. Is that was won by the elite, which is the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. So Kenny Omega made a, made a return. Of course, he's kind of away doing a few things right now, which we'll we'll get into in a little bit. But Kenny vacant Omega came became back. the first ever double champion, didn't didn't he? Who did? Didn't Vacant become the first ever simultaneous double champion? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he did. Yeah. The world title and the six man. So, I mean, you know, he's pulling, pulling double duty there, but uh, yeah. And then uh, death triangle uh, they won and which pack then became the second ever AEW, uh, you know, dual champion. I will say, I, I think that's kind of neat. Um, this is something I will definitely impede into the crown. Probably, you know, uh, during our shows is there's too many titles in AEW. There just, there is, there's the all Atlantic, you have the six man and then you have all the other AEW titles and then you have the ring of honor titles as well. I mean, like there's a point where like, you know, Tony, like when we, when we take a step back with the titles here, but that triangle, getting the title, getting the six man, I think is kind of neat. Uh, I disagree with that. I actually don't think there are too many titles. In fact, the reason I like all the different titles is that that allows them to keep things fresh. There are always pure championship main events of dynamite and it's a very different championship. The ROH championship can open up tonight's dynamite and it's a different type of title. The all Atlantic title. The only time I have a problem with too many titles is when all the titles feel the same. I don't want a Ross tag titles and a SmackDown tag titles. There's no difference between them, but there is a difference between how ROH conducts business, you know, quote unquote, traditionally than AEW. The pure wrestling championship is literally a different title. The trios championship is literally different than the tag titles. The, you know, the mid Atlantic is probably the only one where I'm like, I don't really understand how that's different, but other than that all those championships feel unique enough that i have no problem with it and i like that it makes more matches feel important you can have 10 different title matches on a pay-per-view and i'm like well, great that's i have no problem with that i just you know njpw has done this for years right you have the junior heavyweight championships and then you have the tag championships and you'll have the, the british heavyweight championship and you know, it's like okay I, I, more titles is not a problem for me i just want each title to have a purpose and so as long as i do that i'm fine with that but yeah i mean I've wanted trio championships for a long time. They have plenty of trios teams to make this work. So I think it's a good idea. Obviously it's unfortunate that the elite had to give it up for reasons we'll talk about later, but death triangle was a good stand in. It's interesting that dark order didn't compete in the match since they were in the finals. Um, So I don't know what's going on with that because it seemed like the match at all out was a story like hangman, I believe knocked out Reynolds with the buckshot and then they pinned him right after that. So, you know, it, it felt like they were very clearly maybe starting a dark order turns on hangman or maybe they split up or, you know, I don't know. I don't know where they're going with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, speaking of hangman, he, he seems to have been pushed to the side a little bit and we'll talk about reasons about that later, but you know, dark order, right. It, they feel jobber to the stars at this point it's like how many times can you lose before people start to think that like you're just never gonna win uh to that point i think there's a lot of storylines that got interrupted uh due to certain events that we'll get into later uh that it there's so much that needed to be touched upon or uh i I think they're just reserving uh the storylines for when when the 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 stars are more aligned for it so it it's very disruptive uh of what's going on but it's i i i have to agree with aaron though i think there are too many titles i just i can't wait until ring of honor has its own little one hour show so you can have your other people be showcased in a ring of honor thing keep ring of honor it's it's thing aew it's thing and have your you know special event every once in a while uh, where they get to mix, but have no problem people going back and forth. If you're not winning in AEW, maybe go to Ring of Honor and try there. Or if you're winning in Ring of Honor and you go over to AEW and try there. Or if you're not winning, you know, either way, it's just, it is a little bit much, but I do like the fact that, yes, there is a different feel to the six man title. There is a different, uh, 
uh, feel to the tag team titles. Uh, so it, it is something that keeps everything interesting and it does elevate some matches just because there is a title on the line. So it's nice. Uh, I was a little shocked that the elite won because uh, I thought that this was the time to give Hangman another title to also Rogers Point to elevate the dark order a little bit, give them a little bit of a title because I think Johnny Hungy is over and you kind of need to maybe keep him a little happy too so that he doesn't uh, strike out and go somewhere. So, you know, it, it is what it is, uh, but they won. They made the titles, I guess, prestigious in the fact that they are the first ever six-man tag team title winners. Um and you made it something to strive for. So it was going to probably be one of those things where if you were the team that beat them, that you're going to be elevated that way. So I get it. It's just unfortunate with what, what current events are happening that uh, we won't get to see the storyline that would uh, possibly happen. Um, and it's probably ruined by what's, what's going on. And uh, something. Uh, so let's move on to the women's uh, uh, title picture. So we're, we actually had to have Thunder Rosa is actually injured right now. Um, it's in quotes. Uh, but the weird part is she did cancel some shows, which I'm like, I like the storyline, how they're doing this. But um, at the same time, uh, so we had Tony Storm uh, is now the interim champion, and she actually retained on Wednesday. Um, Doug, I mean, I'm curious on what your thoughts are. I mean, like, where, what are they doing with Thunder Rosa? Is it going to be Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm, or is Tony Storm going to drop it, then Thunder Rosa comes back? I mean, what are your thoughts that's going to happen here? Well, as for the injury part, uh, I do know that she is legit injured. It's just a matter of, is this something that you could maybe take an ibuprofen for and get through your match, uh, you know, like a, a true champion? Uh, you know, you, you go, you play injured. You know, you have Michael Jordan play through the quote-unquote flu, which was actually food poisoning, but, you know, whatever. Uh, you, when you are the champion, you're expected to go out there, you're expected to put on a show, and you're expected to... Uh, Elevate other people also, and I, I think it's a shame that Tony Storm didn't get to uh, pin Thunder Rosa f- to become the actual champion. And I know that she's a little heated at the uh, interim title uh, that she also mentioned at the uh, uh, the presser. But um, you know what? Good for her. I think Tony Storm does deserve to be the champion. Um, I think she'll have a decent run. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I I just. Uh, the only thing I worry now is that Paige is there. Uh, I don't want her to be overshadowed uh, as the champion because we, we've seen what happens when your main star is the person without the title, as in Britt Baker when uh, Sheeta uh, had the title. Sheeta didn't feel like the the real champion because Britt Baker was always there and getting all the the uh, time and the, the good promos and everybody was rooting for her, even though Sheeta was putting on some really good matches. So... Um, I, I just don't want Paige overshadowing Tony right now uh, with any kind of storyline purposes. And then, oh, yeah, there's the championship over here. So <clears throat> hopefully she has a good run and uh, get some single matches going instead of these constant four-way matches. So, uh, But as of right now, I'm, I'm hopeful for it. Yeah, I mean, I think Doug brings up a good point, especially the, the Sheeta comparison, right? And she was champion for a long time, but she didn't feel important. She felt like the 10 o'clock champion, the same way in which, yeah, Kofi Kingston was a champion, but he never felt like the guy. Um, CM Punk was the champion, but for half of his reign, he didn't feel like the guy. He just felt like the mid-carder while John Cena main evented with John Laurinaitis. Um, and then, you know, 
look, let's be honest here. The women get one or two segments on dynamite. Jade feels almost as important, if not more important sometimes in the world championship. It just, it's very strange the way that they book things. And that's, you know, if, if Tony has a weakness, it's improving the booking of the women's division. I want to see Tony storm treated like a star. I want her to be their version of Becky Lynch. I want her to be in, in important feuds and important matches. It looked like they turned that corner, Thunder Rosa at one point was insanely over. I mean, I just remember us clamoring for her to win the championship. And then it's like they dropped the ball with that kind of bad match when I said revolution. Then they did the stupid rematch two weeks later in the cage. And her title range just was flat the entire time. It just never got off the ground. She seemed to lose that spark. Look, I, there's more than enough AEW drama to go around. Not that I want to get into this. But I remember, I think it was her match with Marina Shafir, where it was like Britt Baker liked some tweet about her sandbagging. So now, you know, you start to wonder, it's like, did she really cop out on this injury? You know, I'm firm belief you should never wrestle injured, but wrestling hurt is different than injured. You know, if you've torn an Achilles, don't wrestle. That's stupid. I'm sorry. We can lionize Hunter and Cuddy Rhodes for doing that, but that was dumb and reckless. But yeah, if, if your shoulder just hurts, you suck it up, go take your loss and then come back and heal up, you know, and there's a fine line and you and the doctors have to make that decision. But I, I'm trying to think of like how many of the women's reigns have been great I don't even know that I can say one. Like, Brits is probably the best, but I wouldn't call that a great reign. Like, didn't have great title matches, didn't have particularly great feuds, and it's like, that that's a problem at this point. We're three and a half years in. Some of, Someone should have stood out as by far the best champion, whereas instead of opposed to just all these champions feel kind of the same and mediocre. Riho feels like the worst, but all of the – maybe Nyla Rose had the best run. I don't know. I mean, that, that's the weird thing about it. And, and I think they can do better. Their talent's too good, so this is an area of improvement. Yeah, I, I will definitely have your thoughts on uh, Thunder Rosa being over in Chicago, which has a, a large Hispanic population. I mean, she went, uh, I think uh, it was Rampage and then also Dynamite uh, before she had won the title. Her, like, they loved her. You know, uh, they, they loved, obviously, like Penta and um, uh, uh, what's his face? The Lucha Brothers. I can't think of the other one's name. Ray but, Phoenix. But Ray Phoenix. Ray Phoenix. Uh, went nuts, nuts for them. So, you know, whatever is going on with Thunder, I hope that they that she gets that taken care of. I think that she brings a uh, a different look and a different feel that is good. You know, we, we talked about with WWE, I, you know, in my opinion, I don't think you can all have, you know, tall blondes. I think that that's a mistake. You have to have some variety there. I'm not Vince. I know it's weird, um, but like you have to have some variety in the in the way that people look. And Thunder has a look. She's, you know, the other half of Darby Allen, you know, has the, the other half painted. Um, but she is, you know, she's half, she, she's a fine wrestler. She's a fine women's wrestler, you know, uh, and she has a good presentation. So I, I do hope that she comes back. Tony storm, I think is fantastic. I actually think they should have just given her the title. They should have said, look, you know, you're going to be injured for too long. So we're just vacating it. That's what I think they should have done. Obviously they did that for the world title, which Andy, I got to ask you, what were your thoughts when punk came back punk returned? And there was a match with Moxley. What were your thoughts on that? I didn't like the fact it was so short. It just felt like it was it was a WWE title match. You know, like <sighs> I don't know. I I think Punk should have stayed. I think I know he was hurt and I know they were pushing it, but I think they should have just let Mox run with it. Because that because the problem the only issue I have with AEW is that it seems like it's dominated by former WWE guys. Um, but Mox doesn't feel like he's WWE anymore. He feels AEW. 
Claudio is still to me. Claudio and Tony are stu- are two that I'm still thinking WWE. Now, eventually, that'll go away. But I I think that if you because I was worried, I thought Danielson was going to win it, and my thought thought was because he was going to uh, they're going to have basically all AEW or all WWE champs at one point. But with a with the acclaim winning, and now with Mox winning, I mean those are AEW at the end of the day. I I don't like I don't like the fact that they they're it almost seems like they're playing hot potato again or like they're they're doing WWE hot potato. It's like this guy gets titled now this guy gets titled Mox is now your three time champion. You know I, I and especially because you had so many guys had like how many guys have been champion for. AEW this year, just off the top of your head. Is it three? Four? Okay, so there's four four different champions. To me, you know, we're, we're in September. I think... Oh, three. Okay. I guess that's not as bad, but you would think that you want your title, whoever's the title holder, would have it for four or five months. You know, you can do some program. That's why he's champion. You're going to make money off him, but... The reason why you think it fails more is that Moxley has won it three times this year. He's beat Tanahashi, he's beaten Punk, and he's beaten Brian. So, even though it's the same guy, he's had three different wins for the title. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> But yeah, I, uh, but I, so far, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm coming around. I actually was like really uh, crapping on AEW at work earlier, uh, but it was more because I thought that's it was going to be all WWE guys. But now the fact that they are taking their homegrown talent and doing it, and like I said, I don't consider Mox WWE anymore. So, uh, but I'm happy on what this tile picture is doing though, because this is going to set up. Where right now you could have with Mox being your cha- being your champion, you can still have Brian Danielson. Like he could turn on him at any point. You know you have MJF. You know he he's he could go at it anytime. And then even with CM Punk, and then you just have so many storylines that could be interwoven in between that. So I guess we'll, we'll uh, kind of wait and see what happens here. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess it's perspective on how you view these guys because you know. I never like the idea of like, oh, it's too many X these guys. There's, you know, look, if if they're cutting Val Venus and you push him to the moon, that's a problem because that guy isn't a main event guy. When you have a chance to sign Brian Danielson, Brian Danielson's a main event guy in any company in the world, period. No questions asked. I don't have a problem with him being in the main event because he should be in the main event. And I think 90% of the talent they've signed are people who should be in the spot that they're in, if not a higher spot. So that... That doesn't bother me. I think what bothers me is kind of the point you alluded to is the hot potato. And we'll talk about this more, but, and I kind of said this all going back to double or nothing. I didn't like punk winning there. I thought it was the wrong move. I thought hangman was the guy who should have continued to run. And I thought him and Mox should have been the eventual feud that you do it at. And then eventually should have gone to MJF and look for reasons, both inside outside um, CM Punk, as a champion has been a complete and utter disaster. I mean, there's no other way to put it is the worst decision of 2022. It is a complete and utter failure. And, you know, there are, you know, we do awards at the end of the year. There's two awards to me that are 100% locked up. Biggest news is Vince McMahon retiring. No question about it. If you don't vote for that, you're just wrong. Like I'm going to tell you this right now, plain and simple. There's no point in going over the category. It is the biggest news of 2022. It's the biggest news of decade. In my opinion, it's arguably, I even said this last time, it's the biggest news since WCW was bought out. And if you talk about like biggest disappointment, I honestly cannot make an answer for anything higher than CM Punk as champion. That has been the single biggest disappointment of the last non WWE existence 
in a long time. And there is something to just stick with your plan because to me i can't imagine the plan was to go from hangman to punk all along i think at some point they pivoted because like punk draws ratings he gets fans all these good things and i understand it it isn't the worst decision in the world but then you went back to it you know you had moxley who look he's the mvp of AEW this year good champion great matches love it he really just embodies that spirit like like andy said i don't see him as ambrose anymore john moxley is on a different level than dean ambrose was and then he comes out and he definitively whoops Punk. Great, we're done here. Let's move on. Like, we settled this. Oh, no, Punk has to cut the corny promo about we're in Chicago and blah, 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 blah. Look, look I'm sorry, that was crap. I'm sure that played well to the crowd and 1980s Dusty Rhodes would absolutely love that. But then you come back and you do a good match and then Punk wins again. And I'm like, well, why? Why did we do this? And it felt very WWE, like I said earlier, it felt like a Vince Russo book thing. We're going from Mox to Punk to Mox to Punk to Mox. Why? Why are we hot potato in the title? That's five different champions from Forbidden Door to Grand Slam. That that's not good. And, and I think before then there had literally been four champions in the entirety of AEW. There had been four world champions, and now we've got five different title reigns in the last three months. This needs to stop. Like this is kind of absurd now. I am usually a fan of chaos when stuff like happens out of the blue that nobody expects and. Uh, then you're going to get to hopefully see something new. Like I went all the way to Atlanta um, to watch Survivor Series because Rollins blew out his knee in a match. The title went up for grabs. They had a nice little tournament. Plus, I wanted to see Survivor Series, never been to Atlanta, and had a friend that wanted to go. So uh, a lot of things aligned for me to go. was very excited. Uh, Unfortunately, I knew that Roman Reigns was going to win. But then you had Sheamus come out and knock him out and win the title, and it it made the whole trip worth it for me. Um, So I get a little excited. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, injuries do happen. But having him come back and the booking that has happened uh, was questionable at best. And then I think it only gets... Uh, aggravated at the aspect of you have the big fiasco that happens at the presser and just, I mean, makes it 10 times worse. Um, so this tournament was good. I, I did enjoy this nice little tournament and comeback, uh, but I think it was, the tournament was always tainted a little bit, even still for why we even had to have the tournament. Um, I was surprised that Mox won. Uh, I really expected Daniel Bryan to win. Uh, since it seems like Daniel Bryan gets to cash in on every time that Punk wants to go on a tirade. So <clears throat> I was looking for Daniel Bryan to be that winner. I ex- uh, I do expect that he will have an AEW title run at some point uh, just to kind of give him, you know, that that title of, oh, it's Daniel Bryan, former AEW champion, and, and get the clicks and get the, you know, some of the wrestling fans to say, yay, we got to see that. Um, but good for Mox. And I, I'm glad that he is stepping up. He truly is, uh, like Roger said, the MVP of AEW right now. Uh, if he wants to take this locker room and make it his, this is absolutely his time to do it and and truly take ownership of AEW and uh, state his name as a top guy for a long time. So I, uh, I definitely echo your guys' thoughts and thinking about the hot potatoing I just, the thing I don't understand, sometimes the booking that takes place, I, you don't always know, 
and you have thoughts like, hey, this is the strategy we have. We think that this is going to be the outcome with Thunder Rosa not winning at Revolution, winning two weeks later. Hey, it'll be a hometown crowd, you know, like they expect her to win, you know, before. So this will be a great way to give her that that win. That was the strategy. It didn't work. You get it. With CM Punk, I don't understand what the strategy was. You have an interim champion. You have the actual champion. Why do you have the match two weeks before the pay-per-view? I just don't understand that strategy at all. Like, well, we want him to win the big one. Well, he is going to win the big one because, like, you have two champions. Someone's going to walk out as the champion. So why not have it take place there? I don't – I do not understand it. I don't get it. I think that that was a huge mistake. Having him do that weird five-minute match was just – it was dumb. Like, I I think that that is one of the – it's not actually, I don't want to say it's one of the, their worst booking decisions because there's been a lot of pretty bad ones recently, but that was a really bad one, I think, so far this year. So um, it's a top five bad AEW decision, not top five wrestling, but like, AEW, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say it's a top five bad AEW decision. It might be a top five bad one this year. Like, I mean, like with, with just how bad some of the, the decisions they've had this year, like, you know, there's, there's quite a few. I read about WrestleMania. There was five bad decisions. Well, I'm sorry. Top, top five <laughs> AEW. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying five top yeah, five. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Vince McMahon has made five bad decisions yeah. this year. Like, I think there's a lot more than... Uh, do, do you know all the... Did he only have or, five laws or payouts? I thought there was more. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will say this. Uh, John Moxley obviously has turned his life around uh, after having substance, substance abuse problems. Daniel Bryan's the type of guy who you want as a locker room leader or somebody that you're okay with carrying the company. When Vince gave AJ the title... He didn't have to worry in the same way he did with RVD or like HBK back in the day or or even like somebody like Nash who like could tear his quad at any moment. You know, it's like you don't have to worry about that. Instead, you have like, oh, hey, AJ Styles is like, you know, he's a good Christian boy who isn't going out and chasing tail. He's going back to his room to play video games. I mean, Kofi Kingston, same thing, right? Like you're OK with that. Given it's not a sexy boy the way Sean was, so it's not. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Given to CM Punk while he doesn't do drugs, he does have a mouth on him, which, Andy, I think we should talk about that in just a second. But first, you got to pay some bills. All right. So let's thank our sponsor, HostGator. Are you a blogger or podcaster? You're just not happy with your web host? You need to check out HostGator.com. You're going to find web hosting made easy and affordable. HostGator offers unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click script results with a free set bill and hands down the best control panel out there. Stop by today and try a free demo to so easy as, and if you use a special coupon code off the mark, you're going to save 25% off your web hosting packages. So what are you going to lose? Check out HostGator.com and take a bite out of your web hosting costs. And make sure you check out the Section 86, uh, the off the mark uh, page on Section86.com and, and click on the banner at the top to save big on items from DiviShop.com. All right, so we've been alluding to it all show. Uh, CM Punk It's going to be our monthly topic. So, AP, uh, I'm just curious. Uh at what where should we start with CM Punk because of what happened? So I had an idea. Okay. Um, and I wanna I wanna do it this way because I think there's a lot of good angles to go with this. I want to start with you, Andy. I think you are of the four of us the biggest CM Punk fan. Mm-hmm. Knowing what we know, and let me make a disclaimer that all right now it's been kind of innuendo and rumors. Obviously, there's more to the story that we may never hear. So, you know, don't criticize as if in two months it comes out that like, oh, this thing happened that no one had reported. We can only go by what we have been told based on what we have been told, which is we know we saw the press conference. There's no 
uh, parsing that, he lost his mind and just decided to rip into Colt Cabana and rip into Hangman Page and rip into the EVPs, which I think we all know are Hangman or uh, Hangman. Is he an EVP? I don't think he's an EVP. Hangman's not an EVP. Omega, the Bucks, and obviously it was Cody, Cody, but no yeah. one. Are you, as a CM Punk fan, are you disappointed in his actions? And how much responsibility for this whole melee do you place on him? Give me on a one to ten scale. How much of this is Punk's fault? Ten. And the reason why is because ten. Uh, this is hundred percent CM Punk's fault. It's one hundred percent his fault. Here's my here's my issue with this. All right, um, if. If you have a disagreement about something and you you have okay, let's say I go somewhere and you you don't like the person I'm with, right? Like because you know, like A Steel, I, I don't like him. I'm just gonna flat out say I don't like him. He brings A Steel, who's dirty, number one. It's like if you bring Ming, if Ming was was with me behind me and like I'm gonna confront someone, you know that he's gonna kick someone's ass. That's pretty much what, what this was. CM Punk was trying to throw his weight around. That bothers me. Because at the end of the day, yeah, they're EVPs. Okay, so they're EVPs, all right? That's fine. But you're the wrestler. Stick to your lane. Like, that's that's my my point. The whole thing with him complaining about Colt Cabana, I get it. Because I guess people have been wanting to know what more about it, and he's been he's held it back. But I thought that was the wrong time to say it. If he wanted to talk about it, have him do a podcast. Have him crap on him. That's fine. Okay, th- then it's over with. But I-, I do see the frustration because even myself, I would be, I would have been like, man, like you guys were so good friends. But then he starts saying like this, this, and this, and he just felt like you know, like he was using him, you know. And I get that. Like, I so I'm more disappointed in the fact that just what just uh, the comments during that because that's business, not personal. Just say, hey, I'll talk about it some other time, but please stop asking me about it, okay? And then move on. That's all he had to do. He didn't have to sit there and go through taking his tape on, throwing it on the ground, and complain about it. That bot, like, to me, it seemed he was like babying. It's like, oh, I didn't force Colt to go to Ring of Honor. Okay, well, and I know that a lot of it has to deal with that, like the Bucks and like Omega, like those guys. They're friends with Colt, and they actually like him because he does good work for him. Well, of you know, friendship's different. You know, you have your business. If he's great in business, keep him around. Don't force him to go to your ring of honor or your developmental. So that's what, that's why I had a problem with punk. Cause I just thought that this was babyish and I know, and I think he's better than this, but I, like I said, I think some of the people he's around, they're bad. Yeah. And I think uh, let's pause on the Colt Cabana stuff. Cause I do kind of want to talk about that before we get into, I think some of the other stuff, um, Doug and I went all out. We left, we listened to the media scrum on our drive home. And I think him and I were both kind of in like this this doesn't feel like character <laughs> like that. This feels like the real thing I I can see. And I'm not defending punk, but I can see being asked on Twitter incessantly getting messages, you know, at, like at replying Colt Cabana and punk like, hey, what's going on? Are you guys friends? Like, why don't you make up? Like, have you talked with them? And him just getting like sick and tired of people constantly asking him these questions. He's, you know, does other media scrums, right? He's promoting and they're asking him about Colt Cabana. And it's like, Oh my God. Like I've, I've answered this question over and over again. Him and I used to be friends. We're not friends anymore. We had a falling out, you know, I don't want to talk about Colt anymore. And then like, it keeps happening. It keeps happening at the media scrum. He had a bone to pick plain and simple because he brought up Colt Cabana. He was the one that brought that up. He asked somebody else about Colt Cabana 
And then he went on his tirade. That's that's what happened. So he was he was ready for this. He was like he he rehearsed it in the same way he rehearsed his pipe bomb. But he was ready to rip into Colt Cabana. So I can see him being so frustrated over the whole situation. But there's a point in time where like, you know, Punk's like 42, 43 years old. Like, dude, you're acting like you're in your 20s. Like I did and said to my 20s that I regret, but it was also my 20s. You know, it's 15 years ago. I can sit there and look at that and say, you know what? I'm glad I'm not that person anymore. And I've grown up and I don't say those things or, or act that way in the same way that, but like punk, I don't know. I think he's been enabled. And in all honesty, I think he's enabled where it's a, he is getting away with a lot of things that he does and says, and that people are not stopping him. And that's what they need to do. So uh, for the Colt Cabana thing, I can understand him being frustrated, but you have to move past it. You say your piece, you go past it. So, Aaron, you made a good point. I want to come back to that because that's my third question. Um, second question is for you, Doug. You are, I would say, of the four of us, the person who's been into Kenny Omega the longest. I think you kind of introduced me to him, showing that, hey, Okada and Omega are the, the guys. The Young Bucks are amazing. I have the same question that I asked Andy, but for you— how much of this do you blame on the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega? Um, I know the reports initially that they kicked the doors down. Then I, uh, I later read that it was they had um, some like HR people with them. They obviously went into the locker room. How they went into the locker room is up for debate. Um, are you disappointed in their actions? And how much of the blame do you place on them? Um, now let's consider also that they're EVPs and not just wrestlers for this getting out of control. Um. <clears throat> I would put the blame five, three, and two in the aspect of I blame CM Punk for about half of this. I blame the elite for three, uh, 30% of this. I blame Tony Khan for the other 20. Skip the Tony Khan because that's my third question. But I, okay. um, but here, here's where I will say this is where the elite screwed up. You are EVPs, you are heads of departments, you are in charge. You do not act like this when you are the boss. You do not go looking for that fight. If you wanted to address it, you need to address it probably after some things have settled down. Uh, let some time pass. Not too much time pass, but you don't go looking for the fight. You bring him to you when you have everybody together. When you have Tony, you get on the same page with Tony, you get on the same page with HR, you get on the page with everybody else first, you get your ducks in a row, and then you address CM Punk about what he said and how he went about his, his business. Now, if they are leaking things, again, that also, you are EVPs. Take your titles, take your responsibilities, and remember, you need to be the higher or uh, bigger man and step up and, and truly do this. Um, but to the other aspect of it, uh, I know I've mentioned this to Aaron, too. How did AEW get started? It's because there was a group of guys that didn't like the WWE style that wanted to go and create their own thing. They found Tony Khan for their money backing. But truly, this was inspired by Cody and the Young Bucks and the Elite. The, I mean, the Elite in general and and. Kenny Omega and everybody there. AEW right now truly seems like this is the the Tony Khan show, not the Elite show, which I can also appreciate because he has brought in a lot of stuff. He is a good. Well, I remember we're gonna get to him later, but uh, I, I, I this was all started by the Elite. 
And then CM Punk comes along, and I think he tried to make it too much about himself and that he's the big shot. He was the person that got the big pay. So I'm the big pay. I'm the big man. Everybody comes to see me. No one comes to see you. No, this all started because we all wanted to see the Young Bucks. We all wanted to see Kenny Omega. We all wanted to see Cody and how they did their show. This is how AEW started. Uh, CM Punk definitely needs a reality check of uh, where he is on the uh, food chain. Um, and this question is for all three of you, but looking back, do you guys get the sense that CM Punk is more resented than maybe we realized? Because every single Punk feud seems to revolve around one central fact. Nobody likes you. Eddie Kingston said it. MJF said it. Moxley alluded to it. It, I, you know, like blurring reality and, and fiction is a very common trope in wrestling. But boy, I wonder how much they were blurring here. Because even Hangman says it, right? Like, I think he's the one who says you're all about workers. I was like, is he... Look, obviously, there are some people I'm sure on Punk's side. This is not a hundred percent. Everybody thinks the leader innocent here, but I am wondering how much that, like Doug said, look, we did this without you. We didn't need you. While you're happy to be here, you this is not WCW. You're the Hulk Hogan to come in and save it. Like we're fine without you. We'll be fine. We were fine before you. We'll be fine without you. Do you think there was legitimate resentment in him being like, well, I'm the only guy here who was the big star in WWE, as opposed to like you know like a guy like John Moxley doesn't feel like he was resented, or Brian Danielson, even though they were big names, like main evented WrestleMania in Danielson's case. Do you think there was resentment um, towards Punk? And I'm not just talking about from the elite who obviously they got issues. Now so, start with Aaron. Yeah. So I will say uh, punk made a comment uh, about a year ago after um, Danielson and Adam Cole joined. And he said that this is as big as the NWO joining WCW, which so my Hulk Hogan comparison was apt, which he, I mean, that's what he said. So essentially I'm assuming that he's Hulk Hogan and then Scott Hall and Kevin Asher, Colin and Brian. Uh, I, Eric Bischoff took a quite um, quite a bit of umbrage to that comment and called Punk out like he's an idiot, you know, blah, blah. And Punk has even said like, oh, Bischoff would be mad at me again. Um, yeah, I think he even said that during the presser. But uh, like uh, Punk, I uh, hear. OK, you know, I'll use a 90s basketball comparison. Punk thinks he's Michael Jordan when he's Scottie Pippen. You know, like I think Punk is fantastic. I think Punk is an absolutely amazing person on the mic wrestler. He's average. You know, he was above average. Probably he's probably pretty average or below average now. Um, and I think that he over evaluates his own skill set, And I think that that has caused him to get into some issues. I think he was very upset with what happened with Adam page. That's something that you deal with backstage. That's what you should do. You should deal with that backstage. You should say, Hey, let me tell you this. All right. I am 43 years old. You are 28. You have a lot of uh, potential ahead of you. What you said is not right. You disrespected me on national television, and here's why. And if Adam Page is is smart, you know, if he wants to make a lot of money, he'd probably be like, all right, tell me more. Like, I'm sorry. Like, and I don't know. I have no idea who Adam Page is. Maybe he, he would. Maybe be like, tell him to F off. I don't know. But I think that that's what he, you know, that's what you do. You take care of the issues. You don't go and air out your dirty laundry. Like I, I think that, admit that Paige is not one of the people who comes to him for advice and he was better yeah. about that. Yeah. So I think we can kind of infer that Paige would basically tell him to go kick rocks. Like I don't want to yeah. do it. The way he said it, I thought was very diplomatic. He's like, look, no disrespect. I just want to do it my own way. I want to see if my way works or not, which yeah. I don't think is unreasonable. But um, he, we know 
ironically, CM Punk has flipped roles. Because I remember when he was in WWE and The Undertaker didn't like him because he didn't come up to him and kiss the ring and shake his hand and do all the things that you're supposed to do with a veteran. And now CM Punk, being a hypocrite, is now like, well, why aren't they all bowing to me and kissing my ring? And it's like, well, you didn't do it to Taker. It's like, I didn't think you had to do it with Undertaker. I don't think Paige has to do it with you. Um, but continue. I just wanted to point that out. We kind of know Paige's thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah. No, And so I think that Punk... I like I said, I think that he overevaluates uh, his skill set and also his importance. He is a needle mover. He is somebody that does bring eyeballs because they go, oh, CM Punk, that's somebody I remember, that's somebody I like. But it's not the same as 80s Hogan going bad in the 90s. That's very different. CM Punk is somebody who, if you're a wrestling fan, like, I mean, I don't mean like a, a wrestling fan, not like a casual watcher. I know who John Cena is. If you're a wrestling fan and you see him, you might turn the channel and watch him. But that doesn't mean that he is going to be the guy that everybody gravitates to. For AEW, at least like the shows that I've gone to, if you're going to see AEW, you're not going to see CM Punk, which I think that is the big thing. Would they have sold out the United Center without CM Punk being there? I think maybe not a sellout, but like 80%. You know, Chicago's a heavy market. Like it, it, they, they come around here for a reason, and they come around quite a bit for a reason. So I, I think that CM Punk definitely helps out. But he is not the end all be all. Um, that brings me to my last question, and it's for you, Aaron, because I think of the group, you probably the most neutral, but still has a, you know, you grew up in Chicago. Um, I think you've even interacted with people who know CM Punk in the sense of like, you know, his reputation precedes him. Um, and it's kind of exactly what we all think about Punk. You know, his character isn't all that far from who he is in real life. How much of this responsibility, A, do you believe falls on Tony Khan for not controlling the situation properly? Because Vince McMahon has many flaws. This would have never happened with Vince McMahon sitting right there, 100%. The moment Punk started to lose his mind, Vince would have told him, shut shut up. This press conference is over. I'm cutting your mic. You do not go off script like that. Like, And look, not that Vince has run the tightest ship. Like, I'm a Shawn Michaels fan. Shawn Michaels pulled the most crazy nonsense in the world back in the 90s, as did Bret Hart. Backstage fights aren't even like an uncommon thing. But the difference was they were backstage. Very rarely did that stuff leak onto camera. Yeah, yeah, you got the occasional sunny days comment and things like that. But you didn't have press conferences where somebody just absolutely lost their mind because things get shut down in WWE. And there's a very stern reprimand, whereas Tony Khan sits there. And I think at some point, Khan tries to say something and Punk basically shuts him down like he's talking to his son. And I'm like, wait, who owns this company again? Like. Uh, that that was strange. Um, so how much of this responsibility do you feel Tony Khan has to say, like, I let this get out of control and I let the dogs off the leash, whether it's the EVPs or CM Punk. I did not step in and do my job, you know, one to ten on the blame. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, like if you're uh, before throwing blame around, you know, I agree with Doug. Uh, the EVPs should not have gone into the room. I understand Punk said, look, if you have a problem, my, my room's open. You don't go to somebody who is like that angry because, you know, according to all the reports, even from the punk side and the, the buck side, the thing that we have that we have on there is that punk threw the first punch. That is what is been for the most part reported fairly accurately. And we've heard that punk thought, well, I want to get the first punch in. That's just what he wants to do. You don't go in there like that. That is a huge mistake. Even if they went in there like, hey, you know, we want to talk about this. Like, obviously, you have an issue with us. Let's let's talk it through. Give it a day. You know, like Doug said, like allow the temperature to cool down. They're at fault. Punk is that obviously like he is sitting there. He is going addressing everybody up and down. He is at huge fault. And Tony, I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know if his thought was like, hey, maybe I can make some money off of this feud because that's Vince. I, I, I could see him thinking that maybe Tony was saying like, oh, like 
there's backstage drama. I mean, we could like turn this into a storyline. Obviously they're going to be talking about this, but with what it's gone into, like, I mean, Tony really should have taken control. And I hope that he has from now, like he's taking a look at this and saying, this was a wake up call. I have to pay closer attention to what is going on. Not everyone's going to get along. We're not going to, you know, this could be a Kobe Shaq situation where like, maybe they don't get along that well, but at least like they're going to win championships. They're going to do well with each other. You know, it could be that type of situation, but I don't know. I'm doing a lot of basketball analogies. Apparently that's what I'm doing this today. Um, I like it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you have to still rein things in. Not everyone's going to like each other all the time, but you have to make it so there there is some cohesion. Otherwise, you're going to have explosions like what happened uh, a couple weeks ago at All Out. Okay. Um, I'm going to give my thoughts real quick, and then I have kind of one final question. I To answer my own question, I blame CM Punk a 10. I, I agree with Andy on this one. He was beyond out of line for not – like calling out the bucks in the sense of like, you got a problem with me, come see me in your room. You know what? I'm going to be honest. I grew up around sports. That's a very common locker room thing, right? You get into it in a football field, get into a basketball field. You got a problem. You see me in the locker room. Like I'm just be honest. That that's a real thing. That's what athletes do. It is the, the way that he went in on Colt Cabana was so classless and so unnecessary and so unprofessional. Why did you need to bring up things like he shares a joint account with his mother? How is that relevant to your frustration? Like, if you are annoyed at the uh, reporters, then go in on the reporters. But he went in on Colt Cabana for no reason. So it was very clear, like I think uh, Aaron said earlier, he rehearsed this. He was deciding that he is going to make a point and he is going to rip Colt Cabana. And he, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know what goes on in CM Punk's mind, but he clearly lost his mind um, and, and was completely out of control. I agree with Doug. I also put like the EVPs and, and Omega at like an eight or a nine. You are executives. You know better. I, you have to know better. And I'm going to be quite honest with you. I think they should lose the title as EVPs. Like this crossed a line that you should not be an executive if your way of dealing with situations is to super kick a door down. I'm being facetious because that's not what I think they did. But you don't confront someone who has just said, come meet me in my locker room because we all know what that means. Like if I go into your locker room after Doug's like, come see me, I know we're throwing hands. Like punk isn't wrong that like I called you out for a fight and then you showed up to fight. Yeah, I'm throwing the first punch. Like, well, I'm, I was looking to fight. But my biggest disappointment is Tony Khan. You are the owner. You are the man who is in charge. And you sat there and not only did you let punk talk over you and shut you down, you didn't think that maybe someone something might come of this. Like there was no foresight to say, let's put some security out here. Like after the screw job, Vince McMahon had security outside of Bret Hart's door. You know why? Because he knew some stuff was going to go down. Now, granted, he ended up getting himself knocked out, but he wasn't stupid enough to just let Brett and Sean go meet each other. I mean, I think they ran into each other, but, you know, he knew that the situation was volatile and Tony Khan just sits there, looks like he's on coke, not aware of the situation. Just, oh, yeah, what are you saying, punk? Like, um, and I think he even apologized to punk. He's like, yeah, I'm so sorry they brought this up. And it's like, what is wrong with you? Like, be a leader. Like, own the company. You were the man fronting this. I get that it was the elite's idea, and I get that punk's a big star. But I'm sorry. This I, I don't like what Vince McMahon has done, but this would have never happened with Vince. This would have never happened with Hunter. Like they would have been very clear and been like, this is this is Bischoff like nonsense where Hogan basically is like, shut up, Eric. And he's like, okay, okay, Hulk, whatever you say, Hulkster. And it's like, I don't know, you're the man in charge. Act like it. So I think there's plenty of blame to go around. My final question for all of you is what comes of this and where do we go from here? Because Aaron made the Kobe and Shaq situation. Yeah, they didn't like each other. And it wasn't too long until they separated. I mean, we, we got honest. The Lakers won three championships. And then by 2004, they were like, bye, Shaq. 
you know, I, you know, it just is what it is. Sometimes you have to make a decision. If you were deciding between Punk and the Elite, I think we kind of know who wins this battle. Because let's be honest here: if you cut King Omega, he is signed by tonight. Like if you cut him at eight eighteen West by eight thirty, he's got four contract offers. If you cut CM Punk at eight eighteen. I want to see that phone call that he makes to Triple H. But I just want to be on the third line, just dial me in and be like, hey, uh, Hunter, are you uh, looking for a guy? And let's be real, he's not going to do that because he is too prideful. I think he would just swallow his pride and, and take his ball and go home. So, you know, where do you guys think if you're Tony Khan or, you know, actually it may be out of Tony Khan's hand. This may be an HR situation now. What happens and what do you do going forward? I Aaron, think- uh, or Andy, either one. I, I Let me... Here's what they what they really should do. I, I don't think stripping the Bucks uh, and Omega of their EVPs or EVP title. I think what they should do is that they should uh, limit what they're supposed to be doing and focus on wrestling, and then let them know that next time this happens, I can remove that because at the end of the day, like the Young Bucks, yeah, they. I think that they're trying to. Let me start back. The whole thing with Tony Khan during that press interview, he could have stop this immediately here's how he could have done it the smart way they bring it something that's brought about colt bannett and he could be like hey cm punk hey, hey cm let me let me handle this real quick we've answered this before what's the point of this question can we move on next question no, you can't move on. we are not answering further questions about this if you ask it again you're kicked out of the press scrum end of discussion there it is so that's that's one we're handling so it should have stopped. So I, I I do blame Tony for a certain extent, but I thought that because there's things that keep getting blurred and you don't know sometimes if, if what's work and what's not. And maybe some of it was and then it evolved into something else. And then Punk's like, we'll make money off it. I don't know that. But I do think that um, it, to me, like it, it, Punk, if like you, you there was a you made a good point about like if Omega is cut, he's gone. Like you, someone's going to sign him. And with CM Punk, yeah, you're going to have people that won't. They'll be like, eh, maybe NJPW or uh, some upstart, but they're not going to keep Japan it. would never tolerate Punk's behavior. That insubordination is insolence. That would never go over well in Japan. That is a, you know, not to say that I'm an expert in Japanese culture, but they are very big on respecting your elders. And there's a certain way of conducting yourself. And that is the antithesis of who CM Punk is. Like CM Punk is not a fallen line, listen to the superiors type of guy. He's a rebel. Like that. that is who Punk is. And Japan would never tolerate that. And honestly, Honestly, why would you trust him after what you just saw him do it all out? Like, there's no way NJPW would take that chance. No, and I and I do think that that actually ha- will will hurt him, especially like let's say he was like uh, they let him go after a year. That's still going to be in people's mind. Like, hey, if I hire this guy, the reason why they let him go is because of attitude. If we're going to hire him back, we need to put him in his place right off the bat. Like, if you're going to be here, that's it. Or if anything's out, we'll just get rid of you because we don't need you. But at the same time, like, I don't know how much, like, I would kind of li- like to know how much money Punk actually brings in. Like, is, is if, like, let's say he was on a show that they advertise a month out and they sell it out. And then he's just card subject change, he doesn't show. I'm wondering what that gate would be, even if he was still there. If there's not, like, you know, a thousand or two thousand dollars, if there's, like, only, like, we'll say, like, tens of thousand dollar difference, there's a chance that he's not worth it at that time. But there's the merch sales too. And, you know, when I went and I got the t-shirt, you know, I know that obviously uh, you guys all got the same t-shirt and I mean, it's 25, 30 bucks a pop. Right. And at the show that Doug and I went to, they were selling flags. They were selling, you know, banners. They were selling a ton of CM Punk merchandise that was selling out. I mean, 
he is a, a merchandise mover. So to your point, Andy, I, I hear what you're saying about like, you know, do people go to the show? I mean, they do. And then they also get the merch. I mean, and also the AEW shirt, which has the Chicago flag in it. Like I bought that shirt, you know, and I, you have a hat. I think Doug, you have the same shirt. You know, that's a, that's a seller. Cause that's a Chicago staple, but it's not, it's not, it can be Chicago and CM Punk. And, and I look at it 50, 50. I th- Andy, I, let me ask you this question more directly. Do you think CM Punk is back with AEW, or do you think they say it's been a good year? See you later. I don't think that happens. I think because I think Tony's Tony is a he's not a fanboy, but he's close. And do you think it's his decision at this point? Yes. Okay. That's that. That's the thing. Now, I, do they? Do I think that they should let CM Punk like kind of go away for a little bit? That's fine, but I think you should do the same for the Bucks and Omega, and and I think in in, and I'm gonna say this now: Steel needs to be gone. At the end of the day, he's he needs to be gone. He he, he bit Kenny Omega after, and Kenny Omega's not fully healed yet. There's a point where you have to think money in wrestling, and Kenny Omega comes back, huge deal, and then he then you bite him. Really? I mean, in Ace Steel's defense, he kind of looks like a homeless guy, so maybe he was just hungry. <laughs> Doug, um, yes. Do you think the Bucks and Kenny Omega will be stripped of their MVP titles? Uh, I kind of think that they should, just in the aspect of they are wrestlers. You, that's how they came up. They're wrestlers. There are a uh, few and far between, I think, wrestlers that truly learn the backstage stuff and excel at it. Um, I think that they're still too young to, to maybe necessarily become, I mean, I'm not saying that they can't earn it back, but this is a prime example. And I will say the one thing I did laugh about with CM Punk and I'm, I'm not necessarily going to disagree. Can they even run a target? Maybe not. Some people aren't meant to be managers. They're popular. They're very good at what they're doing. They can maybe book a show. They can maybe, you know, teach people how to do matches and stuff like that. But when it comes to administration stuff, it is a completely different venue because there that's when you are talking the money you're talking about cost budget, um, you leadership, know, leadership, um, where we're not going to be just pushing our friends and stuff like that. And, uh, other things that they're doing, but it's, there's a lot more factors when it comes into administrative aspects. So, uh, maybe they have to go and learn to be better administrators and then they can get their EVP titles back. Uh, but I think there should be a suspension of EVPs from them. And then they can, like I said, they can earn them back or uh, Tony Khan truly will do what he says that he did in the uh, presser. I know there was one point where he, he kind of went off and kind of really shocked me because he was talking about how he was tired of the, uh, uh, how he's going to really take it to WWE and he's got the money to do the legal things and the fact that they were tampering with uh, contracts. Uh, so I, I'm kind of curious when that's the other thing I want to know about this thing. When did Tony Khan learn about the scrum? <laughs> uh, and was it truly after the full presser or was it during the middle of it? And this is what also set him off was, you know, between, Oh, now I got to go deal with this. When, you know, uh, I've got all this other stuff. He actually, he, he impressed me with that, but he, he is that kind of guy when I watched him with 
with uh, Punk, I think Punk took those extra little steps and jabs because he knew he could do that with Tony. Tony has always had that fanboy love of Punk. He sees the money that is behind Punk. So he's going to let Punk get away with a lot more things than he did. When Punk first came in, he was talking about how he was just going to help elevate people and how he didn't need the title. It wasn't about the title. He's just I'm just here, here to put to the help. young guys over. That's right. You know, but I quickly became one of those things of, hey, how much of an ear of Tony Khan do I have? And I think that was one of the things that just developed over this last year of, hey, look at this. You know, the Bucks aren't really running the show. It's Tony Khan. And if I can get Tony Khan to, hey, look, look how much money I'm bringing in. Let's 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 brainstorm this. Uh, I think that's just one of those things that he did is just he just kept doing it. And uh, Tony never said no to him because he knew that the money was there. And he's like he said, he's a true fanboy of of punk. Um, but did you but notice that you have to bring it back? Did you notice that during that scrum, though, he once it was brought up and I thought that like the things he was saying, like especially with with uh, uh, Colt, he brought up, he goes, this is our first million dollar gate. You guys aren't talking about that. I I thought that then he went into his thing. It's like, well, OK, congratulations. Did, I mean, like, was was that announced, per, you know, to the press yet? Like, that was the other thing. I think he tweeted. I think that was the only thing that had been like announced. I think he tweeted million dollar gate. Oh, uh, OK. Um, I want to close with this, and Aaron. Um, from a morale perspective, what do you think AEW either will do or needs to do going forward? Because these are the kind of things that do divide locker rooms. And look, fights are going to happen. You know, look, Eddie Kingston and um, Sammy Guevara got into it. You know, two weeks before this, and yet Eddie Kingston came out and said, "Like, look, I was in the wrong." He apologized. He said, "I lost my temper. I, I, I think he hit him or something like that because he didn't like a promo." He apologized to him. He got punished appropriately by Tony Khan. He, I mean, punished. He got to wrestle a shihi, and, and you know, but you know, that seems like punishment alone. Like getting hit by a shihi is probably enough to teach you a lesson. Though Eddie probably enjoyed it, um, but. Aaron, what do you think they need to do? And is it a matter of different leadership in the sense of Jericho and Danielson and Mox becoming the guys as opposed to maybe the elite? Um, you know, is it that Tony Khan needs to be more Vince McMahon-like? Or is it, look, this is just the kind of things that happen sometimes in locker rooms and you just move forward? Or, you know, do we need to take a nuclear option where it's, hey, this is a cancer that we can't solve like a Kobe and Shaq, and somebody's got to go. And I think we both know who goes in this scenario. So, yeah. Morale. Yeah. What, what do you think? I will say morale is insanely important because that does help out with momentum in your company. It also helps out with, you know, people giving a little bit more than what they normally would. Right. You know, you think about Thunder Rosa, you know, hearing she's sandbagging, like maybe her morale was really down. It could be a a variety of things and people are, are insanely complicated. And they're also the biggest drain on resources when it comes to, uh, you know, costs for any sort of company, you have to have a leader in the locker room who can take you through bad times. And you hear about like WWF, back in the nineties where you had undertaker who took them through like pretty dark days where they were taking water out of the, uh, you know, out of the corporate offices, you know, they would take the water bot, the water jugs, they took them out. Like there's a famous story that Jim Cornette would tell where they like, like all of a sudden we don't have water in there anymore. Like they just, they took it out. We have to use tap water, you know? So like 
you have, and, and that's corporate, obviously, but you have locker room, you have undertaker. Who's that, that shining beacon. And, you know, we've heard like Jericho is really great with the young guys, which I think is awesome. You know, he seems like a really stand up guy, like everything that you read about him, people are complicated. I know people talk about some of his, his uh, negative uh, parts of, a, of his life, but like, for the most part, he does some really great things for wrestling and for wrestlers. You have to have that leader in the locker room. You have to have some sort of morale booster in order to keep things up. And you also need to really celebrate wins. Honestly, if I was Tony, like I'm sure he gives speeches before to his locker room, like celebrate big milestones, say like, Hey guys, guess what? Guess what we did this last week because of your hard work. We got over a million views on TBS because of your hard work, because of what you did. That's a morale booster because people are like, yeah, you know what? I was on that show. Like, yeah, you know what? My hard work did do that. You have to do those types of things. And I know Tony listens because I saw the Springfield address on the IP. So I, I do know that he listens just like Connecticut. So, you know, Hunter, you can also use this, but you have to keep that morale up. And I really hope that that's something that he focuses on because if they don't have good leadership, then AEW, I'm not going to say it's going to be WCW, but like, it's it's not going to be anything big that we're hoping it would be. I agree with you. Um, I'm, I'm going to say this in closing. I am a CM Punk fan, but if you gave me the option to go back in time into 1997 and say, hey, we're getting rid of Hulk Hogan, I would do it. Because ultimately, whatever value he brought, he brought them down more than he built them up. Because ultimately, Hulk Hogan cared about getting Hulk Hogan over. When CM Punk came in, it was all about getting the young guys over. And then what? Six months in, he's the world champion. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know that I trust his motivations anymore. And if you're honestly getting in fights with the elite, look at the end of the day, talent walks. He is Antonio Brown. I said this before the show. He's immensely talented, but he's been a problem everywhere he's ever gone. There's a reason that he doesn't have that many friends. There's a reason that WWE got tired of his crap. You know, look, Hunter for all his flaws, and he's got many as a politician himself. Always said that the thing that bothered him about Punk was that he would always hear about Punk's grievances through a third party. He would never come up to him and say it. And, you know, Punk takes things very personally, and he is obviously a loose cannon. I don't know how much you can trust him. And at the end of the day, if you're going to be the guy, people have to believe that you're going to do the things that you say you're going to do, and you're going to lead the company. I have no concerns about John Moxley leading. I have no concerns about Chris Jericho leading, despite some of the dumb stuff he does in his personal life. I have no problem with Brandon Danielson leading. I don't trust CM Punk as a leader. And if you can't be trusted as a leader, you can't be trusted as the guy. And to be quite honest, if you don't trust CM Punk as the guy, is he worth his contract? And if he's not worth his contract, maybe it's time to see you later. And thanks for the year reunion. You did the hits. Now get the hell out. All right, so that's all the time we have for this month's show. If you're into the Twitter, you can follow the show at Authomark86. I want to thank 86 Productions for hosting and editing the podcast, and I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to download and listen to the show. And for Doug Hahn, Roger Cave, and Aaron Hughes, I am Andrew Hughes, and until next time, we'll see you in the ring.